Hey guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. This is your Friday, October 14th episode. Hope this podcast finds you doing well and those around you doing well. And we're here to talk about some football and, and we're, we're watching this, well, recording this episode uh, simultaneously to uh, what I think it's about halftime of this Thursday night game where uh, there's 75 yards of passing on one side and 54 yards of passing on the other. It's 3 nothing, And we all had this this chat last week about how it can't get worse than Colts Broncos, but you know, here we are. It's rare that a game where you know, there was there were teams that people feared would be terrible in a Thursday night game, where it actually exceeds expectations of the level of terrible that this game is. It is, it is really hard to watch, and it kind of gets me to this thinking about the NFL as a whole. We've been lucky, I think. If you if you shelter your NFL intake to just the Browns. They've put up points. Now, unfortunately, on the flip side of that, you watch them give up a ton of points. You probably, if you only consume Cleveland Browns football, think, well, this is a normal NFL. And it seems like teams are scoring on both sides. Well, that's not necessarily the case, John. I'm looking in John Coliseum, as you know, on Fridays. It is it is a weird year where it feels like offense is harder than ever, you know, man. And this game is is case in point to where offensive football is right now in 2022 where it feels like if you can't run it really well and you don't have an elite elite guy, a Mahomes, an Allen, one of those, what are you doing? You're struggling. You're struggling unless you're Seattle, I guess, who can just score a billion points and Detroit can score a billion points, which is strange, but most teams across the league are struggling, man. It's weird. It's a very weird football year. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is uh, in a way it's, it's come a little bit full circle, and again, we're five games in, and this is obviously a very odd year uh, in the course of, say, the last 10 or whatever. But um, it feels a little full circle because, I mean, now it seems like forever ago, but I'm sure you can remember the days where um, where that's kind of like what it was like. You either had like one of the handful or less of elite quarterbacks um, or it was ugly like this and you played by running the football. And I think like so many teams have gotten used to uh, the ease of throwing the football that uh, a lot of teams aren't equipped to run the football like they used to. And so we just have less teams that are able to run the football, but yet the same kind of, you know, dichotomy where, you know, you have a very, very select few you know, kind of world beaters at quarterback that could kind of cheat the system in terms of what's happening here. Um, you know, and just like we were talking about just uh, briefly right before the show, it's like the, the um, you know, the revenge of cover two or, you know, at least too high, you know, um, it seems like that's all of a sudden become, come back with an absolute attitude this year and uh, we saw it a little bit. It was like last year, it was like, it seemed like it was an exclusive, like this is how you deal with the Chiefs type thing. And um, the Chiefs struggled with that a bit and Pat struggled with that a bit. Um, but now it's just like we come into this year and it's like that's what's going on all across the league. And now all kinds of people are having to adjust to that, like Joe Burrow and, um, you know, um, Pat's got kind of got a leg up on him uh, a year early and has adjusted a little bit, but it's such a weird, like feels cyclical a little bit. And it just like took so long that I'm not sure anybody thought it was going to happen again. And it, it seems like it, that's what's happening. 
Yeah, yeah, it's like they everybody made fun of Lovey Smith when he came back last year and was like, ah, he's just going to run cover two all the time. Well, now <laughs> this year it's like this either cover two or or uh, cover cover. Uh, sorry, quarter quarter half stuff, and people are like, oh my god teams can't solve it and it's just it's really weird how the nfl shifts on this stuff where it's like hey man you can't you can't figure out the weaknesses and cover two consistently to march maybe you can't chuck 50 yard jamar chase face fade throws down the sideline anymore that's the the funniest thing is like well they're shading over right they're playing that they're playing cover six so they're they're playing over top of jamar chase you think you think after watching last year teams might have figured out we probably should flank a safety over top of that guy. The thing that's funny to me, and I think what's worth discussing is this, John, and we didn't really, this is kind of me as you were talking, coming up with this thought for years and years and years, there were teams that were getting out in front of the shotgun curve, right? When, when air raid and shotgun took over and they were teams that, you know, uh, the how mummies and all of those, and they made their way into college ball and the leeches and all of them. And you were trying to pluck, they were recruiting specifically trying to pluck those kids out of high schools that were doing it because it was rare. But if you go around, everybody in high school is running spread stuff. It's everywhere. It's very accessible. It's just triple options suited up and fancied up. But it is very much a shotgun away from center type thing. And the blocking stuff is different. So what's interesting to me and most teams in college are also doing it this way. Most teams living in the gun, inside zone, outside zone from the gun, some some option, and a lot of throwing based out of some of the RPO stuff. Well, the NFL is still pretty, it's still pretty ancient, right? And look at the teams who are doing really well with run bound. Like the, the, the what I'm getting at is, I think that what's interesting is defensive backs and coaches that are trickling up through have been dealing with spread passing attacks for years. It's almost how they understand football now. And when a team gets under center and 13 personnel or sixth offensive lineman, and they do the things the Browns do, it's like, that's a little different, right? I mean, how many teams can you think of in college that run a similar system to Cleveland, which is a pretty similar system to what most teams run in the NFL for the most part. I mean, Almost every team has a form of wide zone in their system, right? Some teams live, Pittsburgh is unique. They live in the gun and do a bunch of weird Matt Canada shit. And some other teams are weird. But for the most part, teams are duo, counter, power, under center stuff, like, you know, some stretch stuff. And it's like, that's not really the way ball's being played. Iowa comes to mind, but not, we saw what Iowa's doing. Georgia, a little bit of Georgia, right? There's not many, John. So then it starts to be like, you know what's different for a lot of guys coming into the league is playing run defense from a true, unique run system formation stuff. I don't know if that's not the prettiest way to say what I'm saying, but it's different than what you see in the SEC for the most part, where you see a lot of three-by-ones and two-by-twos and gun. and th- That's not the norm when you get to the NFL. So like a guy like Perrion Winfrey, right, who comes from Oklahoma – who, who normally has to just play gap shooting, pass rush, sometimes play the run. You do some little different things against the run, right? Where you, you, you know, like I said, they're getting some some different run thing, but it's really inside zone blocking and some some different wrinkles off of inside zone and some some you know gun power and stuff. But like you're you're a gap guy, and then you go to the NFL and it's like, oh god, I got to take on double teams. I got I got an anchor a double team. And not and not try to shoot a gap and then get driven like it's different. And what I think is 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 interesting is that the NFL is playing a an older brand of football. In college and high school, kids are getting 
mass exposure to pass defense at a higher level at a younger age. Receivers are too, but so are DBs in the way they're taught and the way they think so that when they get to college and then they get to the NFL and they think pass concepts, they have a pretty good grasp on it, right? So like, I don't think you're fooling a bunch of younger DBs anymore with Mills concept or some of those things. Do you, do you get where I'm kind of going with this? Absolutely. Where I think it's a shift in younger football that is trickling into now the NFL. And then if you, Hey, if you have a bunch of, you know, a bunch of ass kickers up front and you can run the football the way Cleveland can, it's really hard for teams to stop that stuff because they're just not used to playing football that way. I think there's something to that actually. No. And I think, I think those, like, if you've seen the, uh, who is it? Uh, Marcus Moser who like Mm -hmm. tracks the big plays and, um, you know, the Browns are at the top of the league in big plays, but there's an astronomical difference in the ratio between the run plays and the passing plays that the Browns are doing. And um, I think that's exactly what you're what you're seeing, uh, you know, and uh, I think that's you're certainly seeing that on the defensive end from the Browns where anybody who just chooses to 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 punch these guys in the mouth up the middle um, is having success, which, you know, we'll talk about later, but it's unfortunately, you know, the Patriots are somewhat made in a lab to, to exploit this this week. But yeah, I think that there's definitely something. And I just, you know, I guess I'm not sure. I, I guess it had to happen at some point. People would talk about it. Well, you know, eventually there's going to be as, you know, a zig where you should zag or, you know, whatever the case, however you want to put that. But uh, I think we're kind of seeing it and it's, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, it's way down, way down. It is. And now, like you, like we both have said here, there are, you know, there's still ways to beat stuff that's covered. Well, if you got a guy, right, you got a dude uh, quarterback and you can figure out ways to overcome that. And, and, and I, and I get that. So that, that helps if you can find one of those guys, but um you know, generally speaking, I feel like teams are more equipped now than at any point in the past to, and again, this isn't a perfect philosophy. I certainly think there can be some holes to it, but, and some different examples where you could be like, Hey man, you know, but I think in general teams are, are a little less comfortable defending some of the stuff we see teams like Cleveland do because they just don't, they don't see yeah. it often the exposure is limited from a younger age uh, all the way up a quarterback getting under center like a true a quarterback truly getting under center and turning his back right and extending the football to be handed off and or play action right and it's like there'll be some times where i'll see like the first in joku uh you know the first in joku catch up the right sideline this past week it's like what the hell is that corner doing it was a nub tight end like why on earth is he chasing that it's like, oh, yeah, because they're not used to not being able to see where the football is because the quarterback is no longer facing them. He's turning away from them. So I just think, I think some- I, I'll tell you what, like, I think a great um, kind of uh, yin and yang on this is um, compare uh, the success of a team like the Arizona Cardinals with um, with the Browns. You know, I think that's pretty much your yin and yang um, in terms of style and, uh, Arizona is not having a lot of success and they've got a lot of very good skill players. They have a very good quarterback, uh, but they have a very simple spread scheme. And, uh, the Browns, I, th- I feel like could not be more opposite from what they're trying to do on offense. Uh, and they're having a ton of success, uh, despite having, um, 
less skill, particularly at the game's most uh, important position. Um, I think that just, I don't know that to me, like uh, having watched a couple of games from each of them, because I do have Kyler Murray on my uh, fantasy team uh, and obviously watching the Browns because uh, that's who I follow mostly. So to me, like uh, I, I don't think that schemes get too much further from each other than those two. Yeah. And I've heard people, John say that the Cardinals are one of the toughest offenses to watch period right now. So, I mean, it's, the NFL is weird. I think that it's a shifting landscape of player development, put it that way. And um, there are, there's, a, there's a really interesting zag stuff that can happen here, and I think the Browns are, are proof of it and what it can do for a quarterback if it's as effective as we think it can be. So um, we'll see, you know, because what the Browns need is not, you know, is not just what they're getting, clearly. They also need a guy who in the last few minutes can handle that. So, you know, now – Obviously, we should address the elephant in the room tonight, which is that there's another case that came out against Deshaun Watson tonight um, from the 2020 time range, uh, seeking minimal compensatory damages is what I'm reading here. It's a different attorney and a new allegation essentially saying um, uh, that, that she was pressured into performing certain sexual acts uh, in December of 2020. So. Uh, take that as you will in terms of your belief of that or not, but this won't impact anything in the Watson decision from the NFL. So basically it covers, um, according to Tom Pelissero, not too long ago, I think August made it known that any new allegation of the same conduct from 2019 to 2021 wouldn't be subject to NFL investigation or discipline unless it was far outside the lines of what they were already looking at. And this doesn't seem to be that. So, you know, there could be more, but it sucks. I don't know. It just it can. So I hate having to talk about this, but it is out there. And I don't know if I thought we I thought they were all gone, but this is another one. And who knows what happens? But yeah, I mean, I don't know, John. I have nothing else to say about it. You can add or subtract or just move on. I don't know. I mean, there's just not really much you can add to it. I mean, it is, you know, it's just more of the same. Um, it doesn't. uh doesn't change exactly how I feel because I was pretty, um, well, you know, I mean, these are the issues that, that we're going to have to deal with, uh, having a guy like this on our team. Um, you know, again, this is something where he contacted somebody on IG who, uh, for professional services, this is something that is part of his agreement that he is not allowed to do. From here forward. Um, and so, you know, all I'm going to say is like, obviously, like the risk is always going to be there that like something new that he may not follow that. So um, it is. I think that's yeah. fair that there is a risk that he could do something new. And now this is old, but uh, right. there is there is that risk. So we'll continue to have to talk about it if we have to talk about it. But I don't think there's anything good to add to it. So Agreed. Very that, but I will say a couple questions before we close on the last subject. Do you think this is just a general quick take question? You can have a quick answer to it. Justin Fields, who is rough, he's been rough, but if he's in Philly, is he the same as Jalen Hurts? I, th- I thought he's more talented quarterback than Jalen Hurts. So, like, do you think he's uh the same guy and, the, and it's a situation thing, or is it uh he's not very good? This is something that I feel like I've gone back and forth. Um, as to what my opinion is uh, over the course of the years, right? You're talking about a nature-nurture 
kind of slider, if you will, uh, if you imagine like a mixer or something like that. And how much does, I think every quarterback is a little different in that case, um, you know, but the case is right, is how much does a slow entry into, you know, a, uh, a situation like if you are a Ben Roethlisberger, for example, where, you know, they barely let him throw for uh, a couple of years. Uh, in fact, they, you know, the idea that they were going to give him a big extension wasn't even a foregone conclusion when they did. Um, <clears throat> and obviously, you know where that started. So, like, there's a debate as to, like, hey, you bring these guys into a, uh, a better pocket uh, with better weapons, you know, does it make, you know, a big difference? Uh, how does the coaching, you know, um, factor in? And I think it's just, like, it's very case by case. And I don't know, you know, I mean, do I think that uh, he would have fared better? Yes. Do I think that he was a better prospect coming out? Um, Yes. But like then, you know, in the same respect, like I've been wrong about several prospects, um, many, many prospects, you know, like there's, there's just more factors than you can see on the field that end up contributing to whether or not, you know, Baker had all the arm talent in the world. Like, um, you know, there's no reason that he couldn't have been a successful quarterback. Um, he failed between the years. If, if you, if you ask me, so, you know, um, and I don't, I, I think that, um, even though he had a rough start, he had a far better situation that to come into than Justin Fields did. And that still wasn't enough for him. So, um, I just think it's it's so case by case. I do think it matters, but um, it's impossible for me to say how much. And I do think that there would be no universal answer for it. That's kind of where I'm at right now. I think that he might have just thrown a touchdown pass to Dante Pettis. We'll see if it stands. It was actually a really nice throw. Yeah, um, I saw that. It was a nice throw, but uh, yeah, the, the, the one with Hertz there is really interesting to me and situationally driven stuff. It does matter sometimes, right? It does matter. So, um, you know, most of those guys who are taken late in the first round or in the second round like that, I just, it's a great spot to be selected. It's a really great spot. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of everything. It doesn't seem like my guess right now, if I had to put a number on it, Carson Wentz or, or uh, Justin Fields starting next year would be pretty low, be pretty low. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, how, how do guys like Baker and Carson Wentz transition to being back? Are they going to be backup yeah. quarterbacks and comfortable with I, that? I think there's like one place, right? One place for Baker. All right. Um, yeah, I'm interested in that. What do you got? Uh, I think uh, he could be a backup in LA. Um, you hmm. know, Sean. Sean. Um, that's really. That's a really good one. That's a really I, good one. That's exactly where I think that he'll be. That somebody that was uh, very interested in him as a prospect. And, uh, you know, uh, might appeal to Baker as a place that he wouldn't mind going and sitting on the bench for. So, um, yeah, that's that's my prediction is that he's a backup in L.A. I've also thought of New England ran into uh, yeah. wanting yeah. someone to push Mac Jones because they liked him a lot, too. But anyway, we'll see if he, any of those three are starters anyway. I, I highly doubt that. But anyway, let's uh, shift. Let's go look around the AFC North and uh, we'll do that after we take a quick break. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250 k in cash alone. 
Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb your leaderboard for a shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, even those over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with this promo code, which is very simply for the fans of this podcast, OBR. Use that promo code OBR at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store and get a first deposit match up to $25. So again, promo code OBR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Again, that promo code OBR, nohouseadvantage.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, AFC North, where you have the three and two Ravens, the two and three Bengals and Browns and the one and four Steelers. I'm not going to stop enjoying the Steelers being bad. Now, <laughs> I listen, the ultimate thing you and I have always talked about with watching the Steelers be bad is I need them to think Kenny Pickett's going to be good. I need them to think that. I need them to win like five or six, seven games. Uh, maybe they will. Maybe they'll pack it in. Maybe they'll be smart and say, we're just going to pack it in. But but I, I just think with, with the switch to Pickett and some of that stuff, they fire Canada at some point, which is inevitable with the things he runs there's a chance they can get to five or six wins and, uh, you know, sort of be in that 10 to 15 range on the pick. So, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh plays Tampa. They get them at home. Tampa has actually not been playing very well. They just snuck away thanks to the Grady Jarrett situation. If you haven't seen that sack called a roughing the passer, it's an all timer. Um, there I'll be in I'll just I'm gonna you know with the Browns having the Bucks coming up I'm very interested in that game put it that way the Bengals travel to the Saints which feels like a very slippery game to me agreed kind of weird and like there's some Zach Taylor buzz out there just uh <laughs> leave it at that some Zach Taylor buzz um the uh Ravens go do they host or do they go to New York I cannot remember I'm trying to find the game on the list they go to New York. That's a four and one New York team. Giants, pretty pesky. Another game I'm going to be interested in. I'm actually interested in all three of these games, uh, to be honest. Even though uh, I think I actually think there's a very high likelihood that the, the Bengals and Ravens win, but interested in those. Where are you? 
I guess like let's status check it. Like where are you with the uh, the gate the, the the AFC North right now, and and where do you see this week going? Like which which way are you taking those games? Well, they, you know, uh, it's only five games in, but I will tell you that so far, um, in an unusual way, uh, because I'm wrong plenty. Um, this has unfolded in a very similar way to how I expected. Um, you know, I, I, I had the, the Ravens on top. Um, I thought that the Bengals would regress. Um, so a, a lot of this stuff is kind of how I predicted, which, you know, just makes me think that everything's going to change real quick. But um, I think the Saints are actually a sneaky little draw. Like they have to be careful. I think that um, the Bengals are looking for a foothold. Uh, there's certain metrics that they've been getting better at underlying, uh, even though it's not working out entirely in the scoreboard right now. Um, but I don't think that's a given game. Um, I think they have Saints to be. Can score. Saints can yeah. score. Yeah, I think they have to be a little careful. And I think that uh, their coaching is being called into question, which, you know, I think that's a, a good reason to kind of be careful about giving up your priors too quickly, because uh, I think Zach Taylor is not a good coach. And <laughs> um, I kind of uh, laughed a little bit when they signed him to an extension. Uh, then, you know, by the end of the year, I was looking pretty bad on that, you know, but uh, here a couple of months later, everybody's back around to uh, Zach Taylor sucks. So, you know, just like, you know, be careful on uh, giving up your priors too quickly. So I, I didn't and I'm feeling a little bit rewarded by that. Uh, I think his offense is terrible. I think he's uh, doing very little like he's he's uh, the Joe Woods of offensive football right now i feel like um nice. taking a taking a whole lot and uh getting a whole lot a whole little bit uh, with it so we'll see how that goes but i think that that's not a given for them they should win but they should have win uh you know they should have won a lot of games uh so far they shouldn't be two and three so it's, just an, it's a real example to me of how you just can't just just bank on things being better and you, like you well, the Bengals' offensive line is better. Well, that doesn't mean some of the other things aren't going to regress, right? And their their offensive line really hasn't been better in any yeah. sense. They've, they've actually been pretty bad still. So, and Joe's not helping anything. And and yeah, I, I just think that we the off season is always so funny to me because everybody wants to talk about all the time, and it's always because we're positive. You know, we're all, mm-hmm. you're always positive. What's it? What good is it to be negative? But. That's why I try to mix in that negative pot of what could go wrong because I think that's a fascinating thing of when you look at your team, what could go wrong? Well, the explosive plays could regress, right? Teams could also consume a full year of film on how you run your offense. You observed that what if Baker is bad when nobody was thinking that. And I'm telling you, like, I I feel like we touched on this exact thing. I, like, was taking a lesson from our Browns offseason the year before, I was literally saying this, I'm pretty sure on this pod, like saying like, hey, things don't always work out like you have all mapped out. Like, oh, you got to the Super Bowl and you added these players. That must equal you're a better team. And it just doesn't always work out that way. Doesn't, man. There's so many variables that move in football that it is hard. It's hard. And it's it's so it can be unpredictable because it's not just you executing, you executing. It's 
the other teams do start to figure out what you're most comfortable with and what they need to take away from you. We'll see if the Bengals counterbalance, not even halfway through the year, but they're certainly being challenged in a way no, no, not, not many people thought they would be. Now, they're like Cleveland. They've lost a lot of close games. Their defense is playing really well. Their offense isn't playing well. I think Although their defense has given up like, you know, last minute drives, albeit for field goals, but you know, uh, similar thing of Cleveland, right? Where Cleveland can't get those last second drives where it's on the flip side. So yeah, they're an interesting opposite ends team, right? Where we think Cleveland's got some talent on defense, but they can't figure it out. And, And Cincinnati thinks they've got, they do have talent on offense, but they can't figure it out. We'll see if they do this week. That game will be interesting. The Ravens, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know what to think of Baltimore. I'm not, I'm not like really afraid of Baltimore the way I have been in the past, but I I don't know, man, I really don't know what to, I need to watch more of them. It seems like they just win a bunch of close games. You know, they, they play Miami to 42, 438. Then that new England game was kind of closer Then the bills game was a touchdown or a three point loss. They're good. They're good. They'll always be in games. And when you have a kicker, who's as good as, Tucker, it, it oh man, I'm still so jealous. It is so, it's just so nice to, to I, I don't know. I'm just jealous. I don't say that about a lot of things. I don't say that about a lot of teams, but, but it is really nice to know at the end of this game, we have a guy who's literally going to split the middle to the perfect degree, split the middle of the uprights to win this game. And he can make it from 65. Right. And it's like, yep. like it's especially yep. tough when, we watched what Cade York did. <laughs> anyway, that's AFC North. We're going to take a break, our, our final break, and then we're going to chat real quick on this this New England game, which is the chance to be a really weird football game. All right, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, John. So the Patriots are, listen, they're, they're a really, I, I would say it this way. Do this for me. Name, can you name, so let's do this, eight players on New England without cheating. You can't name Brian Hoyer. Can't name former Browns. See if okay. you can name eight players on New England without cheating. Go. Oh, God. All right. Uh-huh. Ramondi Stevenson, uh, Harris. Um, Which Harris, though? You can't just say Harris. There's a million uh, Harrises. Um, geez, I traded him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna move on. Hunter Henry, uh, uh, technically two. Um, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Did I say that? Named him twice, so you're still sitting at two. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I know I have more, but like it, they're such a blah team. I, I don't. <laughs> they're the weirdest team in the league, and they just they just have a way of always play, like being in games, man. They're cardboard quarterback. They're starting right now. Yeah, they're starting Bailey Zappy. Bailey Zappy, <laughs> this, this kid out of out of Western Kentucky, who they took in the fourth round, maybe later. I can't remember. I think they took him in the. Uh, Fourth round, 137 overall. Hoyer got hurt. We know Mac Jones may play this weekend. I actually hope his hobbled version plays this Mac weekend. Mac Jones is another like blase kind of player oh, that you can easily exactly. forget. So easy to forget about him. Um, so, yeah, they're starting Zappy. You mentioned Ramondre Stevenson. Damian Harris Damian. Is, uh, yes. is who that is. Those yeah. guys have accounted for a significant portion of their rushing yards. 327 for Ramondre Stevenson, 257 for Damian Harris. Who's the former Eagle? They have a wide receiver. They have uh, Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar, yeah. They have Aguilar. They have Hunter Henry. They have Jonu Smith. Those tight ends. Uh, they have Jacoby Myers <laughs> floating <laughs> around. Kendrick Bourne. Their leading receivers this year. Jacoby Myers with 20 for 261. Nelson Aguilar, 14 for 225. Devontae Parker got traded there. He has eight for 189. It's a really weird team. It's a really, really weird team where they have a a bunch of guys that are like, Oh, that guy's pretty good. I actually saw recently a video just last week where there's like three Jones guys on the team now. So there's like Marcus Jones. These, all these guys play. It's Jack Jones. <laughs> Wasn't that a popular singer for a while Jack there? Jack Jones. Jack so there's Jack Jones. There is um, Marcus Jones and another Jones. I can't remember the name. I'm trying to find the other Jones. I can't find him. Ah, uh, Marcus Jones. I said him already, right? Uh, this is a little <laughs> embarrassing between the both of us. There's three Jonathan Jones, who's a corner for them. So they got all these Jones guys. I mean, the defense has some dudes. Judon's a dude. He's been good for them for a while. I'm pretty sure yeah. he has a nice sack total. I think he has six sacks. Uh, Dietrich Wise is their interior stalwart. He's a pretty good player. He's got four sacks. They play Mac Jones a ton. They're still playing one of the McCordy brothers. Christian Barmore, who's a nice D tackles there, but you'd be hard pressed to find a less boring team. Like the Titans are up there in terms of boring. Oh, they have um, a nice safety that I really like. That Kyle tweet. Duggar, the Kyle yep. Duggar that's playing well, oh. who's, who's drafted just three years ago, but he's already twenty six. Um, oh, gosh. yeah, yeah, it was twenty twenty draft. Liked him quite a bit in the draft cycle yeah. that year. Good player for them. So they they have like they're the the perfect team to come in and be as boring as possible and just beat you and, and <laughs> you all. Um, but th- that's how they are. They, they, to go through their schedule for people who have not paid attention, they lose to Miami in Miami 20 to seven to start the year. They go to Pittsburgh and win 17, 14. They lose to Baltimore 26, 37. Um, they go to green Bay and lose an overtime 27, 24. And then they just shut out the Lions. They're actually playing pretty good football. Yeah, they and shut out the Lions who were averaging like 35 points a game. Scoring a ton of points, that, yeah. those, those guys, man. They held them to 211 passing and 101. They have not given up many passing yards. The most passing yards they've given up on the year is 244. So they continue to stifle teams on that side. Now, I will say, the rushing yard stuff, they gave up 188 to Baltimore, and they gave up 199 to Green Bay, and they gave up 101 to Detroit. So they're vulnerable there. So, um, you know. Right, without Swift, obviously. Um, yes. So vulnerable that the that, that place Cleveland could take advantage of. But uh, yeah, in the last two weeks, also their offense, they threw for 104 in Green Bay and ran for 167, and they ran for 176 last week and threw for 188. 
extremely one-dimensional with a bunch of guys who can make you sleepwalk through a game. And we already know the, the press conference from Joe Woods today was so, oh, man. How does that guy get you motivated to play? I just I was pretty upset. Um, I mean, I I like even keeled stuff, but 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 man, like I feel like I've seen Kevin get fiery and I can see it. I can see how his demeanor and the way he approaches it gets you ready to play. And I just don't know about that other side. I don't Kevin's, Kevin's the way I'm telling you right now. Like, you know, if that dude is talking to you and he's not happy with you, like he doesn't have to raise his voice to let you know it. Yeah. All right. Like you could see it in his eyes. Yeah. All right. I think Joe Woods, though, I think defense needs a different persona anyway. Yeah, I agree. Very calculated stuff. Uh, defense is more fiery, man, and like getting excited. And I just don't see it. I mean, I'm going to, I've been trying to write it all week, but, but the nine to five has been crushing me in terms of time. I want to write up what I think is wrong with this defense. So when we get done here recording, I'm going to try, but it is a lack of fire, in my opinion, a lack of guys wanting to compete consistently compete on that side. And I think their scheme is broke and I think their players don't, they're not getting their jobs done either. So well, and I, you this. about this game, John, I'm just, I have no, I have very low expectations. You did, you did a great job. I think like, um, I think it was maybe Monday or Tuesday did a great job of kind of summing up the problems with this defense, which is um, this defense right now. And I don't know if you've gone back to look at the last uh, six games of last year to see where specifically uh, our ends were lined up. I don't know if that was different, but you did a great job of kind of summing up the issues, which is we play a lot of three, four, six um, coverage a ton of that. I think that covers probably 80% of what we do. Um, maybe, maybe less, maybe less. I, they might be mixing more, um, more two in there. And, and no, I know they're not, they're not really, they, they do. I would say their heaviest cover three, they go cover four. They've, they've trickled away from cover four after the early season, like their big tweak change this year to their defense, more match quarters. And it just got busted a couple times to start the year. So they've dwindled in that they jumped up man coverage this past week. And that didn't go all too hot. So I don't know, man, that they're put it this way. And I cannot say it in any other way. They stress offenses out so little, so little. They have such a great feel for what Cleveland's going to do all the time. There's very little surprise. Oh, they're doing this differently. Oh, they're ro- they're rotating. No, to this. But here's the difference, right, though, Jake, here's the main difference, right? Um, you know, Pete Carroll for like two, three years ran just straight cover three with Legion of Boom and those guys. The difference, and they didn't stress guys out, the difference was that they had the players to execute those and it didn't matter. And instead, we're doing these things that that everybody expects and all that stuff, and we're funneling guys to the weakest part of our defense, uh, and it doesn't doesn't stress them out in the sense that, you know, it's just a day on the beach because – they can they can handle that, you know. Like we don't have the players to play. Here's what we're gonna do. You go ahead and try and deal with that. But that's how we're playing schematically. You know, what I mean? it's just like, hey, like you know, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna telegraph it. Um, you go ahead and beat us, and they're and teams are just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, and I get it that that, that maybe. You know, maybe they're overwhelmed. Um, I just don't – I don't know. I, mean, I watch NFL defenses around the league, hide stuff, rotate, deceptive, you know, 
play deceptive football. And you're telling me Cleveland can't do any of that stuff. They can't do any of that stuff. They're just going to sit in what they're going to be and never move. They're just going to continue to line up in the same stuff all the time. And my problem is like, I a hundred percent believe that like these coordinators have power in terms of personnel and those types of things, not necessarily make a B do whatever they want, but you're not going to convince me that Joe Woods didn't sign off on coming into this season with that DT room. And then he designed a defense to funnel people into it. That's, that's my problem. Like there is no chance in the world that you are going to tell me that Joe Woods said, yeah, these are like this, this works for what I'm trying to do. And it's not. Yeah, that's man. I don't know. I, I have, I have a ton of questions about the defense, but where I sit and I'm making it known this week is that I think they're in need of a change at some point. I'm not saying right now, but the voice needs to change on that side. I, whatever, when you're in year three without drastic personnel changes and you seem to be regressing in terms of what you're doing with these guys, then I think it's time for a voice. And, and, and like, there's, there's part of me that has gone back and like, I, I, um, I think I, I don't know if I was texting somebody, if it was on Twitter, but it was like, I'm staring at John Johnson's, um, PFF grades, right? Remarkably consistent, remarkably consistent every phase. All right. Whether, you know, tackling, um, you know, coverage, all those kind of things. He's been trash since he's been here. He's way worse this year. Um, Denzel Ward has been a very good player for his whole career. He's trash. Like, I'm getting to the point where I'm saying, you know, like when you want to say, like, it's the players, um, I'm having a hard hard time, uh, you know, swallowing that when you are turning proven decent players in this league for multiple years in the same ways, um, and they're having their worst years, they're doing terrible. I'm sorry, like, I, I have to point somewhere else. And, like, I don't know whether it's, like, the, you know, it's the players, and I'm quoting this, you know, in the sense that uh, they have no belief in this system as it works, you know, and once you lose the players and they don't believe in, you know, in the system that you're teaching, uh, then it all falls apart, Um Something like that. I'm just saying, like, there's too much bad play happening on this defense, um, specifically with guys that have done well in the past elsewhere or here, um, for me to sit there and say, "Hey, it's just it's the players." I, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not buying that. It's not just the players. There's I something think there's a preparation going. issue, and I think if if your guys aren't ready to play, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, yeah, you can get mad every now and again about that, but. It comes back to the coaches, the the position coaches and ultimately the coordinator to have guys who are capable and have been proven capable throughout their career do what they're supposed to do. That just it it does come to that conclusion. I also think I don't think these guys enjoy playing this defense. I think there's very little excitement. There's very little um, even when they make a big play, there's not much celebration. I just don't think they're enjoying it, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think they believe in it and i don't think they enjoy it uh, i think that's where it comes down to i think i think it's that i don't think they believe that this system is good i don't yeah, i really I don't, don't. i don't either that's where we'll leave you uh with that negative stuff um sorry about that and i know you're tired of the negative stuff but uh, I, I think until they figure out a plan for this defense it's very much a capped franchise i don't like where that side of the ball is going and it's hard to envision the way they're approaching it how they're going about it being a championship defense at some point. So 
that's uh that's it john appreciate you dude your time and uh thoughts and all of it man i know the listeners do as well brother hey man uh i appreciate being here and i hope um that we have a better sunday than i envision in my head <laughs> i do too i would be a really nice reprieve from some of the stress so much stress so it would be just it'd just be really cool to have a game where your team just wins like the the, the patriots won 29 to nothing how cool would that be to be like midway through the fourth quarter and it's 29 nothing like god that'd be really great that'd be really great so someday someday maybe that happens we'll see if we ever get there but that's a wrap for today's episode thanks for hanging out guys have a great friday you know i'm always pulling for you to have the best friday you possibly can and have a great weekend we'll have a good patriots guest on behind enemy lines tomorrow then we'll get with brad ward like we do on sundays and then we'll all be back watching our cleveland browns play football on sunday because we don't have anything better to do apparently We'll check in tomorrow. We'll check in Sunday. Appreciate you. Thanks to John again and you guys. Go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.